Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Soulless by Gail Carriger. Carriger or Carriger? I've been saying Carriger, but Carriger is probably right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest. I have read all of her books and I still misspell her name. Every time I try to look her up, I wrote C-A-R-I-G-A-R -R -R, and it's E-R. E uh, so this is the first book in the Parasol Protectorate series and was published in 2009. And this is an entry in our romance adjacent yes. uh, series. So this is not a traditional romance. And this is probably the only book in the series we'll be reviewing. Yes. Because the subsequent books, while still fun, are not focused on the romance because the main couple gets together in this book. Yes. So here is the book jacket. Alexia Tarabati is laboring under a great many social tribulations. First, she has no soul. Second, she's a spinster whose father is both Italian and dead. Third, she was rudely attacked by a vampire, breaking all standards of social etiquette. Where to go from there? From bad to worse, apparently, for Alexia accidentally kills the vampire, and then the appalling Lord McCoon, loud, messy, gorgeous, and werewolf, is sent by Queen Victoria to investigate. With unexpected vampires appearing and expected vampires disappearing, everyone seems to believe Alexia responsible. Can she figure out what is actually happening to London's high society? Will her soulless ability to negate supernatural powers prove useful or just plain embarrassing? Finally, who is the real enemy and do they have treckled heart? I mean, this is a fair book jacket. I also think it captures the tone really yeah. well. I agree. It gives you a really, I think it gives you a good idea of what you're going to get. It's yeah. actually not 100% accurate. No. But uh, that doesn't bother me in this case because I think you get an idea of what you're getting. And that's more important to me than 100% accuracy. Yes, I would agree with that. Like, if you can reflect, if the book jacket prepares me for the book, yes. I'll forgive a couple of like factual over summarizations. Yes, exactly. Now, don't lie to me in no. the book jacket. No, but. no. no. So part of the reason we do these romance adjacent novels is because we want to look at what we enjoy about romance novels and apply it mm -hmm. outside of the genre. Uh, so we did identify quite a few romance tropes that take place in this book. So uh, you heard it in the book tag. She is a blue stocking on the shelf spinster. And her mother has subsequently remarried and had other children. Yes. So and she I, does not fit in. She's the black sheep. Yes. I really liked this because instead of in most of the books that you read you you sort of migrate to being on the shelf mm -hmm. and in this book she was they say like literally placed on the shelf by her mother her mother made the decision to put her on the shelf because she thought she would never get married anyway so why waste the money on getting her gowns <laughs> so I, I liked it it wasn't like a social trial for her to become on the shelf yes which it is in so many of the romance novels we read Absolutely, and this is a part of both Scott's Week and Supernatural Week, and so of course, her beloved is a barbaric Scotsman. Yes, he, you know, doesn't follow social etiquette. He is ridiculous. I, I mean, what, what word am I looking for? I mean, yeah. he's got the big land with all the people who yes. he's very protective of, and he's, he's strapping, and he's strapping. But the twist is, is that because he's Scots? More because he's a werewolf. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it might not be because he's Scottish. Could just be because he got bitten by a werewolf. And now he's the alpha werewolf. He is. He's the alpha werewolf of the United Kingdom. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Of the biggest, what are they called, pack? Yes. 
in the UK. The London pack. <laughs> but he's from Scotland. Don't you forget it. Yeah. It's, guys, how can you resist that? I'm sorry. How can you resist that description? It's great. Um, so there is a marriage by ruination. It's, and it, to pile on top of the romance trope, this is a ruination where she he proposes marriage and then she's like, oh no, I won't let you sacrifice yourself for me. Right? Like, this is so romance. It is. And it's great. I think the biggest trope here is that supernaturals are out and about. That this is normal. The biggest trope? Yeah. Okay. That industrial revolution. Yes. Not a romance trope, but a trope. A trope. Where yes. you're in industrial revolution England. Yes. But industrial revolution if vampires and werewolves existed. Yeah. And they were known in society and had places of prominence. Yeah. So Lord McCoon is also a member of the aristocracy yes. in addition to being a werewolf queen victoria has a werewolf advisor and a vampire advisor yes, it's called the shadow council which the i love shadow council and so one as the book jacket says alexia is soulless so what, what does, does that, that mean? mean she's supernatural she she's she's not supernatural she's supranatural Preternatural. Preternatural. Thank you. Yes. So she's preternatural, which basically means in this universe, whatever enables people to transform into vampires and werewolves rather than die in the attempt is considered to be an excess of soul. Right. She has the opposite of that, and so vampires and werewolves' powers don't affect her. And when she touches them, they, they become mortal. They become human again for that moment of physical contact while she's touching them. And so, so in terms of marrying a preternatural as the chief of a werewolf pack, knowing that every time they're touching, which in a marriage you would assume happens frequently, he becomes temporarily mortal. Mm -hmm. Like it's something he has to factor into their relationship. And she isn't, she's registered, but it's sort of unclear. Like clearly vampires, vampires and werewolves are made. Right. Preternaturals are born. born. So it's sort of unclear how many of her there are. Right. Or how many like her there are. Yeah. There aren't we know that there are not very many. Correct. Um, we know that there are probably two or three in England. It's late father was one, so it's implied that being preternatural might be genetic. It's they, they in fact they say that it is definitely genetic and always be breeds true. And okay. So I mean we know a lot about preternaturals in this book. So we know that it's genetic. We know that it always breeds true. We know that there are more men than women. Okay. So all of that is mentioned in this book. Got it. Um, what is not mentioned is how many there are, how common it is. We know it's uncommon, but we don't know exactly how many there are. And you don't know if it can occur randomly. Right. Like, could it sporadically occur through a mutation, or right. is it only genetic? Maybe, but it's, it's implied that it's genetic. No, it's definitely, but there's some, like, hemophilia is genetic. Right. But can also be randomly yes. occurring. That's so, true. you know, we don't quite know how it works. Alexia, by default of being the very rare preacher natural, sort of ends up being the chosen one. Right, right. So there is that element, that trope. Yes. So the, not quite a romance trope, but very much the trope of she is the chosen one. Yes. We have the courtier with a hidden agenda. So, so she, she has a suitor. And she's been on the shelf for so long and now she has so many suitors. Right, right. And who could have guessed that he's got his own? That said, he is also very attracted to her. So. Right, the hidden agenda isn't pertaining to why he's courting her. Right. But he is not what he seems. He's not, yes, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. 
In style, I would say this book is very surface, not depth. Yes, but that means that the writing has a lot of very clever. Yes. Because you're not trying to read into deeper story or emotional stuff. Yes. It lets the writing really shine. It's it's very clever. I would say that Carragher has a very unique style. Yes. And I think that it's going to depend on how much you like her style or not, whether you like this book. I would agree with that. Because th this book really is a skimming of the surface. It doesn't do a deep dive into how do you become a werewolf? How do you become a vampire? I'm not saying that you have to do that and it does get explored in later books so the world building builds on itself but it's a very flashy way of writing in my opinion and some of that might be attributed to the fact that most of the perspective is Alexia's and her soullessness is described as making her rather perfunctory very practical very practical not one to dwell mm -hmm. on much and so the writing very much feels like a reflection of that mentality. I don't know that I, I'm interested to know if she could write differently or I if have, it's very much a choice of this book. Yeah, I have read all of her books and I have not found that any of them deviate okay. exceptionally from what this is. Um, to me, that's one of the things that will prevent her from being one of my favorite authors. Okay. I like her stuff, I enjoy it, but there's nothing that I would quote later you know well and I think it, I've got a lot of authors where I really liked one series and then upon reading subsequent books realized they kind of are very one note mm -hmm. and that the one series I really liked just happened to be an exceptional molding of yeah. plot and the author's inherent style yeah. and it seems like from what you're saying this might be that yeah well and one of the th we've talked about one of the things that we like being characterization mm -hmm. And I would say that's lacking in Carragher, personally. I feel like I don't, I don't get an idea of what Alexia's deepest thoughts are or her <sighs> deepest motivations. I definitely don't feel like Connell has any. Connell's Lord McCoon. Uh, yes, yes. Interesting. I would say the tertiary and secondary characters are incredibly one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. But I'm torn because on the one hand, I do like Alexia and Connell. Oh, I like And her. I do think they're well-suited. And I, I do agree. think you get perspective on what they're looking for in each other beyond just what's being said in the text. Yeah. And Lord Lyle. I I'm crossing love, myself. I Professor do Lyle, Lyle is the best. He's, he's really great. I do really, really like him a lot. I 100% agree with you he is my favorite character and I think there's some depth to the three of them but it's certainly less depth than you would expect from main characters yeah. in terms of like internal monologue <laughs> and the, every other character is so shallow yeah that I think it's only by how much t virtue of how much time you spend with them yeah that they end up feeling better developed yeah. rather than any conscious well, and exploration. The, to me, the odd thing is Lyle in this book, in the books, in the whole series, he is not a primary character. No. I don't even know if he's ever a point of view character. He Maybe is. rarely, but not a lot. Not a lot, but he is. And he's basically the one character that I like the most mm -hmm. out of the, all, the whole thing. And he's not one that they dwell on. Yes. You find out about his backstory peripherally. So Lord Lyle is the beta 
in beta. the pack to which Lord McCoon is the alpha. Mm -hmm. By virtue of being the alpha and the beta of the most important pack in the UK, they're both very involved, not just in supernatural politics, but in the politics of Britain. Yeah. So Lyle is the all-knowing servant, in yes. other words. So he is Bunter, if you read Lord Peter, or he is Jeeves. From Jeeves and Worcester, yeah. Right. So he is... I. By the yeah. way, have we ever talked about Woodhouse? I fucking love Woodhouse. Okay, good. We have so no wonder we like Lyle. Yeah. Um, so if you like that trope, then you will like Lyle. Yes. And maybe that's why I liked him so much. But, and part of the, maybe part of my issue too is I, I don't love Alexia or Connell. I like them. Mm -hmm. I enjoy reading about them, but I find them both a bit off-putting. I think you're supposed to. Like, neither yeah. one is particularly inclined to social convention. Sure. And Lyle makes more of an effort than either yeah. of them. That's fine. And if, I'm not saying that I'm supposed to like them. Right, right, right. But that does make it harder for me to identify with them and really enjoy and want to read more. So. Their strength is definitely being a couple. Yes. Which is why this has been my favorite book in the series yes. so far. Yes. Yes. I'm not very far. I, ha I like her and I like her writing, but it is so unique. It's very unique. Yeah. That I like taking breaks between each one. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the middle of the third right now. Mm -hmm. I, I waited a good month and a half between reading one yeah. and two and another month and a half between starting two and three. So I do generally like the world building. I think it, so I read a little tiny bit of a uh, interview with her and for, she said that the generation of this book or the genesis the germ of the idea for this book was what if vampires and werewolves existed um, how would it have changed London society mm -hmm. and just applying that thought experiment is how the book was generated and I do think this book does a really good job of explaining without over explaining supernatural yes there's some sort of science to it. There's research going into it. It's it's steampunky. Yeah. In Very addition to being yeah. supernatural. Mm -hmm. So I liked all of that, but it doesn't go so far into the science that you can start poking holes in it. Yeah. So it does a really good job of striking the right note of the characters are curious and investigating and don't take it for granted without boring you with trivial details that don't make sense. Right. Uh, this book has a lot of making out in it. It does. I, didn't, I wasn't ready for you to go there, okay? <laughs> Sorry. No, it does. I like it a lot. Um, it's great. Alexia and Connell have every bit of the battle couple. We don't want to like each other, but we do. Yes. And as you'll see in a book we're discussing shortly, one of my favorites, I like that trope. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad trope. I like it myself. Um, they make out a lot, and I like it. And neither of them have much of a thought for propriety <laughs> the first makeout is like on the street of london <coughs> in like the bad district and neither of them really care yeah and then lyle catches them <laughs> and alexia's thought is well that was embarrassing but also probably a good thing that it was lyle yeah and not someone else who caught us and she just like it, she is not a British miss. Yeah. Like twi twiddling her thumbs and rubbing her hands and like, oh no, I've been caught in a compromising position. She's yeah. like, oh, hey, Lyle. She's like, oh, hey, Lyle, it's kind of embarrassing. And then she doesn't think about it again other yeah. than like, wow, Connell's a good kisser. She doesn't yeah. think like, I was almost ruined today. Yes. I just, I like that you don't have any of that like internal strife. Yeah. About them being together. Yes. Yes. So that's fun. So the, they're, I like the makeouts. They're fun. They're really, and they're fun. You He's know? also naked in several of them. Right. Be, and it's because, so I'm sorry, 
because he was a wolf and when she touches him he becomes a human again so wolves are naked they don't wear clothes they don't wear clothes they strip before they transform so he can't be and when those. they come back they're naked yeah it just makes makes total sense it makes a lot of sense so again if you are going to create a world where you just happen to be naked for reasons that make sense i'm not going to say no to that so while they are both not super keen on society or propriety she is a 20 something woman living in her era yes and this is the only world she's ever known and he is a 200 year old werewolf yes now something you may not know about lane and i or about lane and me is that we actually really hate it we hate the vampire trope where it's the 100 200 300 you know millennia old man and the teenager woman who get together like what is interesting because about the pedophilia isn't gross because they look old yeah it's because they are, are old yeah so neither of us really like that said that alexia said, is not a teenager she's not a teenager she is a consenting adult yes she is unique yes as a preternatural has concerns and life experience that humanity can't relate to mm-hmm. and so that's sort of the defining part of her and the difficulty the fact that connell can relate to that yes you get why he finds her appealing yes because she's this yes. unique and exotic creature yes. and you get why she finds this hot scottish werewolf appealing because yes. she lives in the world of the supernatural it's yeah. much easier for her and he's hot yeah and i also like that character actually talks about it yes because it's not talked about as something that could be problematic in these Mm -hmm. other books where you're supposed to find it sexy right so usually it's not sexy because the age gap is gross if you have a 16 year old and a 100 year old and because the difference in life experience does create a pretty severe power imbalance yes by virtue of both of them being supernatural that's somewhat mitigated yes well or he's preternatural yeah so i think what could be a very red flag thing for both of us we didn't mind here at all yes well yes uh because we did find that they were suited and because it was pointed out and acknowledged Mm -hmm. so both of those things were right yep one of the things that I think we both really liked was how Connell was very confused by their courtship. Yes. So they make out in the street. Because he knows how to do that. He knows how to do that part. That part he's real good at. Apparently 200 years ago in Scotland, they were making out. Yep. I believe it. And so Alexia expects him to follow the regular rules of courtship, which is, okay, we made out, so now I'm going to pay attention to you and court you. Well, apparently in a werewolf courtship, that is not the case. (laughs) Once you make your interest known, it is up to the woman to make all the decisions. Which, again, if you're going to have a plot point like this, Lane and I are not going to argue. Nope. That's not... But the problem is, but I say problem, not like a criticism of the writing. The difficulty is obviously Alexia doesn't know to expect that. Correct. So she's got no problem being the instigator. But because she is a 20-something woman in In Victorian Victorian England, England, she is absolutely expecting him to continue pursuing her. Yes. So this this is where the angst came in a little bit because she yeah. was like, oh, I guess he just wanted to make out and now I wasn't good enough for him and 
whatever. But luckily we had Lyle there to explain to her what Connell was waiting for. And so explain to Connell that what Alexia he was, a real was waiting for. Dumb dumb. So they're both super angsty because he's like, like, why isn't she making a move on me? She's like, yeah. why isn't he making a move on me? Yeah. yeah. It's because they were both based on social convention, expecting the other. Yeah. It, I mean, it was great. It was really good. It was really fun. Um, what did I dislike about this book? I'm going to be honest, like all the other characters, I hate Ivy Hisselpenny. I do not like Ivy. She appears in all the other books and I, she never She's Alexia's best friend. Yeah. And I don't know why. Exactly. Yeah. And please don't hate me because I know people love him. I really don't like Lord Akaldana. I like him. I'm not like... I don't like him enough that I want to like defend this and yeah. want to hash it out, but I liked him as a character. I think he's supposed to represent, he's a vampire who has chosen to live outside of hive life mm -hmm. and he's very, very old. Yeah. So hive life, FYI, is a group of vampires. Vampire hive, werewolf pack. I think yes. that's pretty universal in Supernatural. I didn't know that. So. Oh, yeah. Um, These books were the first one where I heard about the hives. I think I've read that elsewhere. Yeah. I don't, I'm not denying it. I'm just saying for me personally. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so he's a rove. Which yeah. means he's on his own. So he's on his own. But I think he's supposed to represent sort of the supernatural creature who's just been alive for so long that he's yeah. completely removed yeah. from normal society. I, I will say I in this book, I didn't dislike him as much as I came to. He appears in many, many other books, mm -hmm. and I don't like the progression of his character. Which, and I'm only just starting book three, yeah. so I can't speak to that. I, like I said, I, I'm not going to jump up to defend him. I didn't think he was like exceptional or very, very important to yeah. the story. Professor Lyle is the only secondary character who I'm like, I love excuse Lyle. me, excuse me, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I do really like him a lot. But I think Lord Akeldama does represent an important feature of this supernatural universe yes operating outside of the normal supernatural living structure yeah and by virtue of how uniquely old he yeah. is yeah and he's also like flamboyant oh yes he's flamboyantly gay and his so roves may live outside of hive life but they have their own retinue mm -hmm. and his whole retinue is basically made up of dandyish fops who are also extremely strong well it's also unclear if roves always have that retinue or if it's just lord akaldama well i believe that others do because remember her uh maid was said that her master was a rove and he was oh good point. so to good me point. it implied okay. that there were others yeah that makes sense they're called drones mm -hmm. the rest of the the mortal hangers on to the supernatural. Yes. So, yeah, but I, I, like I said, he didn't bother me in this one. Yeah. I thought he added something to the world building. Yeah. He was, I, I will say in this book, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. This is just me coming from having read a lot of these books. How many are there now? Um, so in this series, I think there are five. Okay. And then after that, there are four more about like the second generation. Okay. So nine kind of within this universe uh-huh okay well no then there there are actually others that are set earlier in the same universe but um the same characters don't appear so alexia is not there um akaldama is not there is it like her father's generation or it's 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 very separate so it's called uh forget what it's called but it, it's set in a boarding school Oh, I'm gonna hate that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Great. think you won't would. read. Oh those. no, actually, you know who's in it is the hat maker, Vive. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, a, yeah, exactly. As like a 12 year old. So you definitely would not enjoy yep, that. Yep. Okay, great. That's what I figured. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so while I, I'm, I haven't gotten as far as you, I don't know what exactly your criticisms of him are. I don't, there's nobody, even Ivy doesn't bother me much in this one. Yeah. I, I think it really just honestly just comes down to me, to the fact that the characters are not very deeply examined. How do you feel about Queen Victoria being a real character in this one? I, um, <laughs> It did not bother me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I loved it. I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I mean, look, I don't care. If you're going to be set in an alternate universe where werewolves and vampires exist, it's not going to piss me off that Queen Victoria appears. Well, and I also thought that's somewhat authentic, right? If supernatural creatures are real, one, you and they want to be known, mm -hmm. you assume they'd want to infiltrate places of power exactly. and that people in power would want to take advantage of their unique skill sets, so. Yes, exactly. And it's implied that that is why the British Empire is an empire, is because they have acknowledged and rely on the advice of their supernatural citizens. Yes. So, pretty cool. I, I, like, this is what I liked about it. I this book is a really fun one. concept, and the love story is great. I think Alexia and Lord McCoon have a unique practical and emotional reason yeah. to be together. Yeah. I th think for characters that are supposed to be relatively emotionally detached, you really get why they're into each other. Yeah. And you do really get the impression that in spite of their better judgment, they cannot keep their hands off each other. Yeah. Which in a book that is primarily a supernatural steampunk is really well done. Yeah. I, I think this is probably my favorite. This is my favorite of all of her books. And yeah. which is, this not usually say something I say about a, the first book right then this is this is her debut novel and i don't usually say oh the debut is my favorite i usually think they get a little bit better mm -hmm. but well i think you pointed it out her strength in this one in spite of the fact that we're raving about alexia and lord mccoon is the world building over the yes. character development mm -hmm. and clearly that's strongest in the first book of any series yeah. so yeah. overall like check it out it's fun definitely i think it's, i read it in a night too it's quick yeah. it's a super quick read. fun it's very fast and especially if you've been burned by vampire steampunk in that's the past? That's a genre? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm missing out. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't worry. I also have other good ones that we will read. Yes. Like, let's say you've been burned by one and you're like, ugh, this is awful. You're not going to feel that way when you read this one. Like, this is, this is fluff. Yeah. But it's really fun fluff. Really fun. So, as, oh, God, hold on. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying, we would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe.